Hello and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic of the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here by my co-host and a special guest. Hello, everybody. I am Ryan. I'm the Japan hobbyist coming at you uh, from the Tokyo area of Japan, and our guest today is... Hello, my name is Servo Token. Uh, I do budget stuff. Uh, I write for playingpioneer.com, as well as just some general Reddit posts. And I'm all about the community trying to uh, make magic cheaper for everybody. Yep, I was going to say, if we've got Playing Pioneer on here, or if we've got a server token on here, we're definitely talking about Budget Pioneer. Mm-hmm. So uh, y- y- you already uh, ruined the surprise there, but this is one <laughs> of my favorite uh episodes we've done this a few times and i always a really good time doing this is what we've done with this series is that we like to take existing decks like you know popular meta decks in pioneer mm-hmm. and we say okay what if you're just trying to buy into them what's like the cheaper version of that you know you're not ready to go and drop the full price of some of these decks is there a cheaper version that's still going to be able to compete so what we do is each of us we take you know two to three decks and we say okay can i make a $50 version and can I make an $120 version? So this is budget versions of Pioneer decks with the intention that A, they're going to be as competitive as possible at that price range and B, where possible, we like it to be something that has a clear build path into the finished version. So I have a deck that feels like, okay, the creatures are there, the mm-hmm. spells are there, and then once you've got some money, start binding them on a base and you'll be able yeah. to get this deck up to the most competitive version of it that's out in the format right now. So do you guys remember what we talked about last time? I, I want to say that I did like Winoda and Enigmatic Car- or Incarnation. Is that something? I did Enigmatic. Hang on. I I'd sent them out yeah. recently. So let me see if I've got it. Yeah. So we did Phoenix. We did Mono Black. We did Black Red Pyromancer. We did Blue Red and Soul. We did Enigmatic Incarnation. And we did Spirit. So ah. if you're interested in any of those, go check them out. We also hadn't had the Pioneer... Um, what are they called? Pioneer Challenger decks mm-hmm. out at that point. So those are also a good buy-in place if you haven't seen those. A long while ago, we did Five Color Niv, Mono Green, yeah. Planeswalkers, Jun Citadel, Red White Burn, Lotus Field, and Winota. Um, but yeah, again, that, that was some time ago. Those may have been uh, outdated if you want to mm-hmm. go back to that. But if you guys have any questions, you know, just feel free to tweet us out. and We're yeah. happy to uh, to give some comments on those. Prices change, but they are fun. They are fun to, to listen to and get some ideas for building your deck. Um, and I just want to point out that I actually did go out and buy one of the Pioneer Challenger decks because, you know, we, we were talking about gauntlets uh, a couple episodes back. And I wanted to have Lotus Field in my gauntlet. And looking at the prices of how expensive some cards were in Japan, it would have cost me like $80 to buy all the cards hmm. I needed for Lotus Field because of how like inflated pr- prices are here. And I just went out and I bought a Buying 55, you know, I bought a, it was 5,500 yen, so like $50 uh, Lotus Field Challenge deck. And I got a couple extras that I can sell now. Awesome. But uh, awesome. Yep. And, you know, I've seen these decks reference, like I saw recently a couple times people have been like hey you know these guys the first pioneers they put out a hundred dollar version of this deck why don't you start mm-hmm. there so i'm glad that these are getting out there if you guys feel free to share these we love to help out new players and like, like servo said we want to keep the community active um anything to add before we jump into yeah, our deck list I, and basically what we do here is we're just gonna you know look through each other's decks mm-hmm. compare some options say okay why'd you make this choice um would this have been better you know kind of how you do our most of our looking through deck mm-hmm. lists, but looking at it from the mind of, yes, we're trying to build it to the strict yeah. budget. So before we started, I did want to ask uh, both of you, what decks did you choose for today's topic, as well as 
what is the usual price? Like if if you were going to get it, get the mm. uh, optimized version, how much would you probably have to pay? Do you want to go first, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to look up one of them. I, I know that I looked up the. Well, you can get an estimate. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm gonna give a just uh, yeah, yeah. An So I picked a Boris Heroic, which usually runs about two fifty. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I picked a five color humans, which unfortunately is on more on the expensive side, like three, four hundred dollars mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. yeah. Big piece of that being the mono base. Yeah. How about you, Servo? What decks did you choose and how much do they usually cost? Uh, so today I brought uh, blue white control, which uh, on goldfish is about three hundred dollars right now. But it's, it's not the worst, you know, full pioneer deck I've ever seen, but that just really means mm-hmm. that um uh, we can only make a couple of adjustments to get it uh, up to that uh, full power level. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I also brought mm-hmm. a Abzan Greasefang deck, um, mm-hmm. and that one is also in about the three hundred dollar range. And but it, that one's mostly uh, the lands, which are the big thing. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah which that, is, I noticed the same. Yeah, thing. I probably had the easiest job with this heroic one as far as being the cheapest of the ones we'll talk about. Unless if you've got me beat here, Ryan. I mean, I have. Uh, I'm gonna do uh, Black Red Anvil. And uh, the big money cards there against the land base, but also Kroxas are kind of pricey. That pushes the price up in that. And I'm going to do Mono Green Stompy today because, like you said, I, we did Planeswalkers in the past. Um, and Stompy's playing like Great Hands. Some have like two or three, and that's like $150. Ooh. So those get cut. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. What about Poseidon? Do you have the, do you have Don't have Poseidon in there either. So, yeah, I cut all that <laughs> stuff. And, um, but, yeah, I'll talk about what I made cuts to and what I got rid of. I got pretty creative, I think. So I'm, I'm excited. All right. Do you want to kick us off with one of your one of your lists there? You know, we were just talking about Mono Green, but you don't have to start there. I, I, I actually like uh, Mono Green. So uh, for anybody that's listening, we put all our deck lists up in the pod live chat of our Discord. And uh, I pinned them. They should also be in the article that we are posting yeah. with the, uh, the episode. If you're following us on Twitter, that's probably the easiest way you'll be able to see them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find them all in there. We're going to talk about the 120 $120 mono green deck. I don't know if you guys want to click on that and check out what I have. So the biggest thing about this list is that I believe Vivian Arkbar Ranger just got like a reprint or something like that. She's like either in the list or or something hmm. like that. And she's currently like only 2 or $3 a piece. So you can play the full four in this budget version. And, uh, I mean, again, again, you know, we did the Planeswalker deck before. She's good for this deck or the other Monogreen Planeswalker deck. So great pickup right there. Um, but this is the Stompy version, so it's focused a little bit more on creatures. We have, you know, eight uh, elves or mana dorks. Uh, Mistcutter Hydra is not too expensive, so that can kind of stay in there. Uh, we have Old Growth Troll. We have Werewolf Pack Leader, which is surprisingly not too expensive at the moment. Voracious Hydra is also mm-hmm. not, not too expensive. I think like four of them is like $12. Um, we got scavenging news. Those have seen, re- seen a lot of reprints, so they're pretty cheap. Uh, I had to get rid of stuff like, like I said, like Great Hinge and whatnot. So I, I wanted to try to play around with, uh, um, you know, we're still making a lot of mana and you want some card advantage. So I, I put like Genesis Hydra in there, which is the X green, green that, uh, you know, you can play and you put a permanent and play it equal to X. So it just gives you a little bit of, uh, how can I say, uh, uh, variety or versatility there. I did have to get mm-hmm. rid of Nykthos because Nykthos, I believe, are like $26, $27 a piece or something. 
oh, yeah. I want to say, so or something like that. They're they're pretty expensive, and uh, I ended up switching those for Lotus Fields because you know I, hmm. I thought you could still make a lot of money or sorry not money sorry a lot of mana <laughs> uh, and save a little bit of the money on there. And uh, also, old growth troll uh, can be put on Lotus Field, and then you know you have a four-four hexproof uh, green creature with trample, which I thought is kind of kind of stompy, right? So that's not quite how that works for two reasons. Though old growth troll, I do. I am surprised to see how cheap old growth troll is. You know, I don't it? play very. I mostly play on oh, enchant right forest. Now. Darn! It does ah, only enchant a forest. Darn! Darn! You also have to sacrifice the land it's attached to to get the four-four. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Uh, never mind. So man. not quite how it works. Uh, I, I, I'm interested in this Lotus Field, but you know this version, you're not running anything that untaps lands. You know we have seen some recent versions that are running Kiora, yeah, as a way to like repeatedly untap your lands. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I made. I, I think I'd be a little bit there. more interested with that. Yeah, but you could do that. So, uh, but anyways, other cards, uh, Oath of Nissa, I kept in there just because, um, you know, they've actually haven't seen a lot of play outside of this deck, so they're pretty cheap to get a four of. Mm. Castle Garenberg is still. And there as a four of be that's a, probably going to be like your Nykthos, basically that's what you're going to be using to play a lot of your cards. I did get rid of uh, Ranger class and instead I played Jugan Defends the Temple, which is the new uh, Kamigawa one that uh, creates a mana dork. It's a three mana uh, saga that creates a mana dork on the first one, puts two counters on the second thing, and then you exile it. And uh, whenever you play another creature under control, you put. Uh, you can pay X and put X uh, counters on the creature. So it just makes your stuff a lot bigger. Um, hmm. And then uh, he gets plus five, plus five if you have uh, five or more modified creatures. And a lot of the, the cards that you're playing are actually, uh, they actually get plus one, plus one counters. Uh, and again, because I'm not playing uh, Nykthos, I decided to just go with another green, green card, Avatar of the Resolute, which is a 3-2 Reach Trampler. And he gets uh, plus one, plus one counters equal to the number of uh, other creatures that have plus one, plus one counters on it. So uh, I thought that's, you know, would kind of be a, a neat, um, how can I say, uh, addition. Uh, sideboard wise, I think sideboard is pretty much intact. I think I got, I got rid of like the extra um, uh, great hinges and stuff that people usually play in there. And uh, I want to say the big... What was the big one? That big change. I added Frog Hemoth as a searchable card hmm. uh, for Vivian. So it's a 4-4 Trample Haste. Uh, it says whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can exile that many cards from their graveyard and put a uh, plus one plus one counter for each creature card exiled. Uh, uh, so yeah, plus one plus one counter on it equal to the number of cards exiled and you gain life. So it's basically just another kind of graveyard hates that you can use against um, your opponent. I figured, you know, why not, you know, save 40 bucks and play some more searchable uh, creatures. But that's pretty much it as far as my mono green uh, 120 build. So, Kevin, you said you didn't like Lotus Field. You want to? Yeah, I'm not sure if I would go with Lotus Field just because I don't know exactly how much it's adding. You know, if you're getting rid of two lands to make a land that taps for three, you're not actually ramping yourself at all. Um, You don't need the mana fixing. So I feel like that's, uh, you know, that's. $18 $18 or something mm-hmm. that uh, you could probably put somewhere else. Um, maybe that gets you halfway into a, a great henge or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, other than that, a couple of things I'm questioning. You know, the Avatar of the Resolute, I know you're looking for another two drop. Um, I'm wondering if 
Barkhide Troll would might have been better at two. That one's also green green. Yeah. It's a two two that enters with a plus one plus one counter, and it can remove it to get X proof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also wondering if you had any other three drops that you were more interested in. You know, I don't know how the price is on like Steel Leaf Champion yeah. or Lovestruck Beast, but I think those are the other ones that are often played in that slot. Yeah, I, went, I was going for more of the big mana thing with like the Hydras. So, you know, we got uh, Genesis Hydra and Miscutter Hydra and Voracious Hydra, but that's definitely another way to go with uh, the Green Leaf. And also, what's the other guy from Eldraine? I forgot his name. Yorvo? Yorvo, yeah, would be another possible yeah. uh, choice, I think. Yeah, and then the only other thing I think I would have liked to see is I do like the versions with Aspect of Hydra. That's the one-mana instant mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. gives plus, plus X plus X, where X is the uh, Devotion to Green. And I think that that's a really blowout card sometimes. Uh, makes this kind of list, especially with, you know, we're a budget version, you kind of need to have that blowout wins. Yeah. Um, maybe that might be worth, worth going for. Okay. Um, anything you want to say, Servo? Anything uh, you want to suggest? Okay. Um, yeah, I do agree with the point that, uh, uh, Kevin brought up about Lotus Field. Uh, you really, that's a card, it's fine to play, but I think you need to build around it. So adding, like, the Kiora and, uh, what's it called? Voyaging Seder, I think? It's a two-mana untap a land. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that, if, if you did want to go, like, the, uh, the Nykthos huge mana route, I think those two cards would be, Mm -hmm. uh, good additions to, like, base, uh, base the deck around and then build from there uh but as far as the rest of the list uh i really like this sideboard i think there's a lot of um a lot of really strong cards in here that can cover all of your bases uh in terms of things that you might need to randomly pick up with vivian um Mm -hmm. so i i think having access to that sort of thing um that's actually very rare in budget building so i think that we did a very good job of uh capturing that uh very powerful um, play that a lot of budget players don't have access to here. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this deck looks sweet. Yeah, Vivian is definitely the core of the deck, I think. You don't want to mm-hmm. get rid of her. Well, let's see how you manage that when you go to a $50 version of it. Okay, so $50 version. Let's take a look at that. Again, if you're listening, you can find this on our pod live chat in Discord. So the mono green $50 version um i had to cut a little bit or a few more of the pricey cards so i got rid of pretty much all the extra lands i got rid of the uh lotus field and yeah, no more nykthos no more castle garen brig we, we're just going 22 forest uh that saves us a lot of money right there and then uh, i wanted to keep vivian and again she's only 12 dollars, so she stays in there oath of nissa stays in there to help smooth out your draws um instead of like a ranger uh th- um what is it the 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 rangers thing whatever it's called uh ranger class or or those things i just put a uh evolutionary leap in there to uh, be able to sacrifice your mana dorks and grab a uh, another creature card and uh like you were saying before i went with barkai <laughs> troll this time instead of the avatar of resolute to save some money uh you know it's the green green like you said that uh, comes with the counter and you can move for uh uh, hexproof we still have scavenger ooze i had to cut some voracious hydra because i thought that you know uh they were a little bit too pricey for this old growth troll i just went up to four of those uh i thought you know i wanted to have something that you know i, I wanted i think i cut the mist cutter hydras uh from the main because they were kind of pricey and uh, i wanted something that would c- still kind of 
you could push damage through with, but also kind of be resilient to uh, removal and stuff. So I I, we, I loved ochre jelly. Um, I believe this was Adventure of the Forgotten Realms um, when we when it was first spoiled and hasn't really seen any play. Uh, so it's the trample. It enters with X plus one plus one counters, and when it dies, you split it into two copies of itself, and they are, have the same ability except it's half of the counters that were on it before. So they stay around and they keep splitting and splitting and splitting when they die. Um, I also uh, put Hungry Hydra in here. Again, I, I like the big X creatures for making a lot of mana with all these mana dorks and stuff, but maybe maybe I should have cut them out considering we don't have any ways to make big <laughs> mana anymore. But uh, it can't be blocked by uh, more than one creature, so you know, you're know you playing Vivian still. You're giving it uh, the ability to gain Trample. You're going to be hitting for a lot of damage. Sideboard-wise, I think that's still pretty much intact or intact. I don't think I. I think I cut out like the, uh, um, the six six gorilla, uh, and put in like mm. uh, the affectionate, affectionate Indric, uh, as a way to grab some to fight another thing, even though it's a little bit weaker. And instead of the Terra, was it the, the Terradon? I forgot the name of it. Um, the one that has like the uh, ward. Terrasque. Yeah, the one that has like, uh, ward ten. Terrasque. Um, yeah. Um, I just <laughs> yeah. put plated crusher in there from uh, Battle for Zendikar. Which is like a seven six trample hex proof, so if you need that type of thing, I guess I could have done the uh, carnage tyrant as well, but that probably would have been pretty pricey. But other than that, like sideboard's pretty much intact. It's just the the main board switched around. So I those couple big ones are are big though. You know, yeah. I feel like Terrasque was already in there as a downgrade to the Ulamog the deck would yeah, like yeah. to run. Um, so Plated Crusher's a down yeah down pick uh, well, yeah there. Indrix also. Kugel is a really good card, but uh, was, I can see where it might have been. Yeah, Ulamog was the other card that I cut from here. Sorry, I forgot to, to say mm-hmm. that at the beginning. But yeah, any? Uh, I'm guessing the the creatures you don't like, right, Kevin? <laughs> so I think where you know I, I'll go somewhere else. Uh, I'm not sure if I like Oath of Nissa as much anymore because you're not getting anything from Devotion in this list. So having the one green sit around doesn't feel that great. Um, I actually could see you cutting those, especially that frees up you know. 20% of your budget mm-hmm. for, for better creatures here and there. You know, if that lets you get your Kogla and your Tereski back, those might be a big enough change. Mm. Um, as far as creatures, so this evolutionary leap in the main deck I think is interesting, but I think that you're not quite building around it quite enough. I would really, really like to see the Lovestruck Beast in this version just I because those 1-1 one, one tokens, turning them into a evolutionary leap token yeah. or evolutionary leap real creatures, that seems like a big upgrade, especially in a deck that, you know, that's like a 40-cent card or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that, I was also going to say, maybe you lose this Hungering Hydra and do a couple of Hanger Backwalkers. Like, those are 4 or $5 maybe, but if you could get two of them, that seems like a really good card to uh, to sacrifice and yeah. then be able to kind of do this plan with the Ochre Jelly, yeah. the uh, the Hanger Back, uh, and you're putting counters on things with Vivian. That That's a plan I could see kind of working. Okay. In fact, if you're doing that, you know, what does the three mana Nissa cost? Uh, Voice of Zendikar? Yeah. Well, she's not super cheap. She's probably a couple dollars. Let's see what she runs. Cheapest version. Yeah, she's like $4. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's a little high, but that would be another card that would kind of fit into that idea of, you know, sacrifice some tokens and then get bigger stuff. Okay. Plus with the plus and plus encounters. What do you think, uh, Servo? All right. Uh, so for this one, I do really like that we get to keep this Vivian package. Um Again, just having that sort of uh, real 
real effect that real decks play. I don't want to say real decks because budget decks are real decks, but uh, having having that very powerful effect that um, fully complete decks play uh, while you're picking up a deck like this and trying to learn the format, learn the lines and such, mm-hmm. that's very, very... Um, it's very useful to have access to that sort of thing. So even though you're playing some of the some like weaker options, uh, you're still learning how to play the deck properly, which is uh, most of the mm-hmm. point when you're building a deck like this. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as like additions that I would put in here, um, I also don't super love the hungering hydras, uh, mostly just because they eat up. Um, you know, a couple dollars, as well as the Oath of Nissa's. Uh, one card that I would uh, put in is Karametra's Acolyte, which is like a 1-4 creature uh-huh. uh, from Theros. It costs 4 mana, but it taps... It, it is just Nykthos. It taps for your Devotion to Green uh, and mm-hmm. gives you that much mana. So if you're going uh, the big mana route, I do think that having access to something along those lines would help you power out these Hydras a bit more. Uh, and then in mm-hmm. the sideboard, uh, there's a card from Thorn of Eldraine called Thorn Mammoth. It's like a 6-6, six, six, and it yeah, yeah. whenever it or another creature enters, it fights something. Um, so I think having access mm-hmm. to one of those creatures that gives you just like the repeated removal uh, is pretty valuable. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this uh, affectionate Indrik. But, uh, it was a couple dollars, <laughs> wasn't it? Though the uh, um, the mammoth. Is it? I was thinking it was like three I don't. Know. I haven't used it in probably a year, but the last time I used it, it was five oh. cents. It might have. Oh, was it? it? I mean, if that's that, so it, it does look Kogla, like a commander think, card. It just just Kogla's like a buck. Yeah, yeah. I, and one of those big fighty dudes. Um, I think it is worth making the squeeze into your uh, minimal budget. But uh, yeah, I am very impressed that this. Um, style of archetype is something that's available to someone on as tight a budget as this so i will say i'm using mtg goldfish for these prices and they have all these coming from card kingdom it seems which is or i don't maybe it's tcg player so uh i think card kingdom might be their default yeah just just uh, give that as a uh you know we're not sponsored by anyone no. we're currently all using um mtg goldfish just because their deck builder has built-in prices yeah, for it yeah. um so we're using their i want to say it's like average on card yeah, kingdom yeah. you know some of these cards you may be able to get for more or less and uh these are these are rough uh especially rough by the time you guys listen to this yeah. we may go up or down a dollar or two but uh in general we're sticking to when we're building it those 120 and 50 dollar budgets yeah. Um, Servo, can I pass it to you to go next with the deck? Yeah, um, let's pull up my blue-white lists. Alright, excited to see mm. this, because I think blue-white's really strong right now. So, uh, I've been doing budget stuff for Pioneer since the format came out, and blue-white control has always been a deck that has, uh, evaded me, <laughs> because, um... It's just so hard to have your answers line up to the threats that the format presents uh, while following the budget restriction. So, uh, and I may have said this on the last episode. Sorry, sorry to jump in, but it, I know that budget control is very hard because, like you're saying, it has to be the best answers. Um, unlike something like an aggro deck where you're going to win games just by running people over, it's it's a lot harder to play an unoptimized version of a control deck. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
But I did a little bit of... Alright, so this deck comes from a little bit of digging in the archives of old uh, standard blue-white decks. And seeing what kinds of themes that uh, they followed that maybe uh, the traditional builds of blue-white control and pioneer haven't yet explored. As well as um, taking advantage of the fact that just a lot of cards in pioneer are super cheap. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. using a card that's 85% the power of... uh, a card that a tier one deck uses is still, it'll still get you an 85% deck. So I feel actually, I've done a lot of testing with this specific version and I'm actually pretty confident uh, that this, um, that this version of blue eye control is about as optimal as it can be for the budget range. So uh, we're doing the Kahira uh, companion because we're not playing any other creatures. So it's basically just a free beater that we can use uh, if our land-based win conditions aren't enough to get there. Uh, a lot of the full blue-eyed control decks are playing a lot of Planeswalkers these days with like the Teferis and the Wanderer, Wandering Emperor. Um, mm-hmm. But those are a bit out of the range, so we're just uh, using the Narsets. And then for the removal package, we're basically copying all of the spot removal that uh, the full list plays, so we do get the full four March of Otherworldly Light. Um, that, that, that card in specific may skyrocket eventually, but I think it's worthwhile to pick up now while it's cheap and the set's brand new. Uh, th- then we're using mm-hmm. the more traditional stuff like Azorius Charm and Fateful Absence. Uh, I'm going for Blessed Alliance here, because it's a removal spell that can also help stabilize you a little bit. Um, Trimming back on the counterspell suite uh, just a bit, because that's not something that's super powerful in the for- in the format right now anyway. So uh, three Dovin's Veto, two Absorb, and two Divide by Zero. Uh, then for the Sweepers, uh, this is where like the deck really makes its mark. Uh, we're not playing any permanents, so we just get to play four Hour of Revelation, which is the um, white, 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 and three to destroy all non-land permanents, and it costs three less if there's uh, ten or more non-land permanents. So being able to sweep up all of the auras, all of the anvils, all of the mm. uh, dorky green creatures that decks are trying to spam out, it will buy you probably four or five turns, uh, which is extremely powerful to help stabilize in a control deck like this. Um, I do think this card is probably the reason that budget blue-white control can exist. Um, we're also playing a couple Supreme Verdicts because we have the room for it, uh, as well as one of my favorite win conditions of all time when I played blue-white control in Standard, a Psychic Spiral and Sphinx's Revelation. So the Hmm. play here is to, uh, end of your opponent's turn, Sphinx's Revelation for like 15, draw 15 cards, go to your turn, discard 15 cards, and then mill your opponent for 15 while shuffling those cards back into your deck. Um, it's really stupid, but I've <laughs> stolen a lot of games like that, so uh, hmm. spell-based win conditions like that are something that people aren't super prepared for anyway, so I figured it was worth a shot. Uh, and then moving over to the man or the, the mana base, that's what that's called, um, we get basically all of the... Uh, all the lands that the full version is playing anyway. So the castle, Arden Vale, and Vantress, uh, the creature lands in the Cave of the Frost Dragon, 
as well as the Kamigawa lands, uh, Aganjo and Odawara. Odawara. Uh, and then we do get a full suite of actual dual lands as well. So, um, yeah. What do you guys think? I wanna, I, I mean, I, I wanted to say I like blue-white control. I like its ability to play pretty much any board wipe you want. You know, like you got the Cleansing Novas in there. You got the Hour of Revelations. There's a lot of different choices that you could play um, that just don't see play because Supreme Verdict is, you know, like the best ones, the de facto board wipe. But uh, you can definitely get creative, and I like what you did here with that. Uh, I was going to say, if you're going the uh, land route, and I know this is, like you said, this is pretty much the de facto um, uh, land base, but, you know, you're missing... Wandering Empire, sorry, Emperor, and you're you're missing Teferi, which kind of slows down your your win conditions. I would say it makes it a lot more grindy. Did you consider maybe adding in that that Hydra land? I believe the blue one from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Robes, not the Hydra. Um, oh, the Kraken. Um, the Frost, Frost Giants. Giants? Is the Frost Giant one. Yeah, that card is I think four or five dollars. Um, oh, I probably could fit in okay. one actually. But, uh, yeah, that is definitely something to look at over, like, the Castle Arden Vale. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on your play preference. Uh, when I play Blue Eye Control, I like to hit turn 50. So, um, uh -huh. this, this deck <laughs> matches how I like to play the deck, but, uh, I think this archetype is certainly flexible enough to, uh, to provide, you know, those avenues for however you like to play. Um, yeah. so you can play, like, those, uh, what you know, whatever win conditions really suit your fancy. Okay. So, okay. So blue white for a long time in pioneer was one of the only decks I didn't play. And I've actually liked the recent versions of blue white because I do feel like they're playing more win cons. They're playing planeswalkers that actually will end the game. Um, so in that way, this is a step back, but I don't think that this is wrong. Um, I definitely think that, you know, if the game loads long enough, you probably can win with this. I like the removal suite quite a bit. I think it's worth spending the extra money where you went on with the March of Otherworldly Lights, the Dovin Vetoes, um, things like Absorb still being in there is great. I do, like, I, I just feel like maybe one more control win con in the mainer board. Like, I was looking at some options just for you here. Like, Nezal Primal Tide is only two bucks. Um, there's like Sphinx of the Final Word is also like under $2. Maybe just like one big control win con, especially for something like a control matchup, I feel like might be worth it. Like I would love just sticking a Sphinx of the Final Word in the sideboard so that you've got at least one way to know you win that mirror when you don't have something like the Teferis. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, of of cards in blue-eyed control that I've seen people play before, Kahira is like my least favorite. I think that card's absolute trash, but I don't know, a lot of people swear by it, so I decided to include it. But yeah, I do think that yeah. uh, something, some huge finisher like a Sphinx of the Final Word would definitely be worthwhile. Yeah, even if it's sideboard and you don't uh, present a Kahira game 2-3. Yeah. Alright, we're going to move on to the $50 version, you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm interested to see how this goes uh, towards the $50 version. Alrighty, so for this... Looks pretty similar, Yeah, this actually. is basically the same shell, uh, except we did the budget <laughs> thing to the lands where they all enter the battlefield tapped. Um, which, you know, is the worst thing in a control deck anyway. We still have the Kahira, the Narsets. Uh, couldn't afford the March of Otherworldly Lights, but I do think that is probably the first step you take uh, in upgrading this list. Um, 
so we're still on like the Azorius Charm, the Blessed Alliance, uh, Swift Response, uh, M21 Draft All Star, I guess. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you know the spot removal doesn't super matter when you're casting those Hour of Revelations to destroy all their non-land permanents anyway. So uh, this is more definitely more of a cross your fingers and hope you can get to turn six. But uh, if you do get there, it's uh, a lot. It's a lot more likely that you're. Uh, able to take over from there. So because you're playing all these Narsets, did you ever consider doing like the commit to memory routes, you know, where you just make them shuffle everything back and then they only get to draw one card? Yes. So uh, in I have done, this is probably my eighth iteration of blue-white control in the last two years, or three years now, wow. Um, and the first four or five of them, uh, that was one of the main plans. Uh, was to do the uh, Narset and make it so your opponent doesn't have any cards in hand. Uh, that plan is extremely slow and very fragile. People like to mm. attack Narsets mm. when they come uh, as soon as they like hit the board, so you generally only get uh, the one activation off of it anyway. And then uh, if you don't have a Narset in play, you're mostly just trying to, you know, putz around with a Gyre Sanitarium or the Commit to Memory. So I don't personally find those cards worthwhile. Um, in some other forms of this deck, I'm sure it would work uh, if you have especially other things going on. Uh, but it's not something that I per I personally enjoy. And just because you've tried out a lot of versions, um, as far as other win cons, you know, you are running the Divide by Zeros, but you don't have Mascot Expedition in the sideboard. Did you consider throwing in one copy of that to possibly find as a win con? Uh, yes, that card is like $7, so it didn't fit into this specific version, but oh, I would have loved I, to do I want to say it's like 2 now. Is it? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a version that's running about $2. Yeah, $1.25 now. Um, it's being played a lot less than standard as part of it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that would definitely fit in here. Um, yeah, uh, I actually really, <laughs> I like that plan a lot, actually. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if you do decide to build the 50, uh, the $50 version, maybe going up to four divide by zero and playing a couple more, couple more of those lessons, uh, that could be a strong way to go. Another thing I wanted to comment on, did you ever consider the um, uh, approach to the second sun when conditioned? Uh, I didn't see that in here. I have played it before, but I think that was a timing mistake when I tried it, because uh, when I played the approach version, uh, Phoenix was like just blossoming as the big deck, uh, the big deck to beat, and they have access to counter spells. Uh, mm. which makes approach much worse. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's another one of those favorite win conditions of some people. Some people don't like it. Uh, but like we've been saying, this archetype is extremely flexible. There's a lot of very cheap win conditions. So mm -hmm. really, whatever suits your fancy, they're all, they all cost like $2. So just yeah. pick whichever one you like. Okay. Anything else you want to say, Kevin? All right, so... Pretty good. Oh, nope, I, I think I'm going to move on and uh, jump in with one of my decks here. Okay. So I had a little bit of an easy mode as far as um, probably the cheapest starting deck of the most powerful version, but I also think this is important because it's good to put a you know $120 version out there, actually less than that. I'm, I'm looking at about $115 at my Heroic. Uh, I think that's changed a bit since yesterday. 
And just to give you guys an idea of what the deck would be like, and this one, literally almost exactly the creatures, the spells in the main deck are all exactly what I would play in the competitive version of this. And then really it's just finding the, the mana base that I can afford on the budget I've got, as well as making a couple of price changes to the sideboard. Um, so my, my, my philosophy on sideboards and budget decks is that if I'm only spending, you know, $50 on a deck, I don't want to put $10 of that in the sideboard because you're going to see it not every game. You're going to see it only when you bring it in. Um, if you, you'd, you'd rather have more of your power in the main deck because that's what you're going to see every single matchup. Um, so I took out the rest in pieces. I put in, uh, what did I put in instead for the sideboard? Uh, you know, a couple different things just to, uh, to save some price there. Um, and mostly what I changed was the mana base. So Sacred Foundries, you know, they're like 20 bucks each. I wasn't able to afford the uh, Den of the Bugbears. That's also a really good one. Mm-hmm. So those are replaced with Ramen Up Ruins. You know, it still makes your red mana untapped, uh, and it can still be a little bit of way to get reached uh, if you go towards the late game. And then I found us a couple of other red-white lands that can replace the uh, Sacred Foundries, including um, I ran a couple of Unclaimed Territory. This is a, you know, about a dollar card. And most of the cards in the deck are humans. Uh, pretty much the only exception is the Dreadhorde Arcanist. So if you want to just run that, that is a way to get most of your creatures into play. Um, you know, it, it's not perfect with all your spells, but it's at least something you can do. Yeah. Uh, that's really it. This, this one, I think, is going to be pretty straightforward. Um, the $50 version, I had to do a little bit more, uh, you know, scrimping and scrounging. I, the only thing I don't like about it is the Needle Spires, because you are playing all these one and oh. two drops, and you don't want anything to tap in. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. You know, I could be running some more mountains, some more planes. Maybe that's the right call there. Um, I wanted to just see if I could still get some value out of my lands. Uh, otherwise, I do like it. And like you said, you got rid of the rest in pieces. You, yeah, I'm a little scared of that sideboard, but I guess if you're going fast enough, it doesn't matter. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I will uh, second that point about Needle Spires and Unclaimed Territory and the mana base. I think just basics are fine. Uh, in this sort of archetype. Um, I thought that I was on the wrong list for a second, because literally the entire left half of this <laughs> is just the tier 1 version. So I'm like, wow, hmm. alright. This deck yeah. is so cheap. Um, in the sideboard, I'd probably recommend playing uh, Soul Guide Lantern as a 1 or 2 of, hmm. uh, just to go with the Luris. Um, because you get to do the thing they do in Modern, where you draw a card every turn with it. Uh and not having access to Graveyard Hate is a little sketchy, but uh, yeah, this deck looks absolutely amazing. Um, if if you are looking for the absolute best deck for 120 US dollars, uh, I'd probably buy this one. Huh. There we go. Yeah, that, that works. Oh, you know, I didn't call it out, but something I did want to mention with your $50, your, uh, $50 blue-white version is that that was also under 7 tickets. Um, you know, we usually just look at the paper prices, but I wanted to just call out like anything under seven or twelve dollars on Moto is an important thing to point out because there are rental services that have a free mode. So if you get monetraders and card hoarders, um, one of them has five tickets as a free rental service. One of them has seven. Um, so anything under like twelve tickets, you can often play that completely for free on Magic Online. I just want to shout that out. You know, I think that there's a whole bunch of these that have been posted. Uh, you know, you're you're a big contributor to that on playing pioneer but just want to point that out when we do see it here with these lists oh yeah for sure uh we've gotten a lot of uh responses actually from our uh big budget spreadsheet that we have um 
from the seven ticks mm-hmm. section like a lot of people are super into uh just being able to pick up a deck completely for free uh play some magic online um at literally zero cost and the uh, so yeah that's definitely something to keep in mind uh as a possibility if you're uh either looking to get into the format or looking to explore a new archetype yep that's exactly right all right, uh, I'm going to jump into the $50 version of this one. So the first thing that's an important change is that, you know, Luris, that's a seven some, you know, seven and something dollar, seven and change dollar card. Uh, I wanted to see if I could cut that and if that helps us save money overall. And for me, I think it really does because it opens up the deck to running Feather, which is a slightly different version of the list, but ends up being slightly cheaper because, you know, Feather is about a dollar each, whereas the Luris is running you seven dollars. It also means that you're making up for some of the lost power you're not getting in your one and two drops by replacing them with some other things that work a little bit better with Feather. So we're a little bit harder on the heroic creatures. We weren't able to afford the Soulscar Mages, but we've got like a little bit of Dran Trailblazer in there. We've got some other two drops like the Lean and Light Scribe. Uh, and then those three drops get to be really powerful. I'm also up one land here. You know, I'm still spending about uh, a third or 20% of the mana base, of the price on my lands here just to uh, try and get those red and white untapped you know battlefield forge is one of the cheapest needle verge pathways to you know three four dollars um i've got some of these snarls in here just as another way to do that but i do like the feather version of it there's some really interesting and powerful things you get to do with that uh as well as just making it a little bit cheaper so sideboard here you know i took out play with fire replaced it with shock like that's just a tiny change that saves you a couple dollars in the whole list um, one other change I really liked here is that, you know, we can play other three drops. You don't want to play too many because it is a low to the ground deck, but I felt like Eidolon of Rhetoric is in a really good place, uh, especially in a list like this. If you can do something like, you know, Eidolon plus Feather and just play God's Willing every turn, your opponent has no way to interact with mm-hmm. your creatures. So, um, there's some cool stuff you can do there to kind of lock the opponent out. Um, and then just, you know, lowering the price overall, like we pull the Boros Charm. I think that's better in the version with Luris. Whereas with uh, Feather, you're playing a few more of the spells that protect your creatures, like Fight is one, which ends up being a lot cheaper. Uh, I'm going to say the same thing that I said last time. I don't like the Needle Spires and, or the Temple of I, I don't know if you can fully cut. You know, you, you've got to have some amount of dual lands, and there just aren't enough untapped ones, I think. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I would just... I don't think you're ever going to have the four mana to make it a 2-1 double strike. So I would just cut that and put the two Temple of Triumphs then, just to kind of fix your mana or fix whatever you know spell that you need to put on top. Um, Maybe. I do like that Needle Spires is a nice thing to throw a pump on if mm. you are really that flooded, but yeah, I, I, again, you know, that's six mana at that yeah, point, so maybe that's yeah. where... Um, Mavinda I don't like at all either. I like Feather. Feather a lot. I mean, I would just go like 4 10th District Legionnaire instead of adding that Mavinda in there. Oh, I love Mavinda. Oh, yeah. I've gotten <laughs> maybe blown out by one. Mavinda. That card's like actually quite strong <laughs> but you can only do it once a turn yeah but you I get guess. to do it every turn so you get to do it one uh yeah. twice a turn cycle you can do it on your turn and your opponent's turn you can you know grab a protection spell and then your creatures are just yeah. safe especially with um with feather the card goes to exile but mm-hmm. ends up back in your hand anyways because of uh, how feather works yeah okay so in particular mavinda is only there with feather like i would never play mavinda i think without feather okay uh, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say. How about anything else you wanted to add to that, Servo? Um, yeah, so with this version specifically, uh, there's a little bit of math that you need to consider. 
uh, in your deck construction because you have a greater percentage of lands that don't enter the battlefield tapped on turn one. Uh, Mm -hmm. You are much more frequently going to uh, be behind a turn, which doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, very frequently you will find that that's just enough time for your opponent to play their second land for their two mana removal spell or whatever. So when I have a greater percentage of tapped lands like this, I like to uh, increase the number of protection spells. So I'd probably go up to four fight as one uh, in this version Mm -hmm. uh, just to help compensate the fact that you're probably going to uh, be playing a turn behind more frequently than you would otherwise. So maybe cut like the show of confidence for those two. Um, aside from that, yeah, okay. Uh, this archetype is very conducive to the budget builder, so uh, not a lot of changes here. Oh, it wasn't there another card, the Clever Luminancer or something like that. What, I forget what does that do. Yeah, that one's another one drop. That that was another option. You know, I was considering one of those. I felt like I liked the idea of Laguna Band Trailblazer mm-hmm. as a you know just more defensive option if we're gonna end up going a little bit. You know, we're more likely slower, to win yeah. a medium or long game with Feather yeah. than we are with a uh, Hilarious version. And I, I do want to point out that I made this as point, part of my gauntlet, so I have this deck put together now, and it makes me so happy. Nice. Awesome. So budget. All right, so we've spent about 45 minutes going through uh, three decks here. You think we can uh, finish through the rest of them? We want to go a little bit quicker yeah, on the back I'll, half of I'll this? Yeah, I'll go a little bit quicker. So uh, my next deck is the... Uh, Black Red Sacrifice deck, the Anvil deck that's been seeing a lot of play recently. Uh, so uh, the cards, the, I would say the the main part of the deck, the core is the core is pretty. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, pretty stock. You know, you got your Valdarian Epicure, Blood Tithe Harvester. It's got the Fatal Pushes, the Voltage Surge, the Deadly Dispute. All of that stuff you can you can pretty much keep intact. It's not that expensive, except. Deadly Disputes somehow crazy expensive for some reason. It's like $11 for four of them. Um, we did have to cut the Thoughtseize, but I figured, you know, we're going to be pinging and dealing all this damage to your opponent anyways. Drill Bit will basically become a Thoughtseize. It's uh, the three-mana sorcery, but it has Spectacle for one black, you know, so if you're if they're dealt damage. And you're not going to be casting it on turn one, sadly, but uh, um, it's quite possible that you can get it, you know, uh, later in the game. It's, it's a lot better. Uh, you still have your experimental synthesizers, your Terions, uh, you have your Oni Cult Anvils, of course. Uh, instead of Meat Hook Massacre, I went with Bastion of Remembrance, which is the Ikoria enchantment that creates a, a token. Uh, and also, whenever a creature you control dies, uh, your opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So kind of the same impact. You lose that removal, which kind of sucks, but uh, you still get that slow burn trigger i guess you could say uh land wise uh i got rid of the um <clears throat> the haunted ridge i got rid of the blood crypts and i replaced them with the smoldering marsh from from zendikar and dragon skull summit uh we could keep in uh takinuma from kanigawa as well as or kamigawa as well as soken um i have three blight step pathways in there still so it's mostly intact. Uh, another card I had to cut from here, from the main and the sideboard, was Kroxa, because those were like 23 bucks a piece or something. So that was pretty pricey. And um, I'm trying to think what else did we do. I think Alpine Moons were also in the sideboard, and those are somehow hmm. like $20 now. 
Oh my I think, or like fifteen dollars. They're like crazy expensive. So I just went with damping spheres because I'm guessing they were in there anyways to kind of control um, the uh, what do you call uh, to control lotus field. Uh, anything else? Everything else I think is pretty much pretty much like stock, and depending on which list you're looking at. So it might be a little bit slower. You know, maybe you don't have as powerful effects, but being able to, to play three Bastion Remembrance might actually speed up the kill faster than only having one legendary Meat Hook Massacre in there. But what do you guys think? Uh, so for this one, um, I've, I've only got one like major change, and it's the glaring omission of a Luris. Uh, I think Luris is absolutely essential in this specific archetype, just because uh, it's looking to go for that long game um, mm. on occasion. So uh, having access to, uh, you know, like bringing back your Terrarians every turn, draw two cards turn, or, you know, whatever you're doing, I think Luris is absolutely essential in this archetype. Uh, mm. To fit him in on the budget, I'd probably turn the Kologon's Command into an Angress Rampage, uh, both okay. in the main and the side. So that still gives okay. you the uh, creature removal and artifact removal. Um, while not, you know, completely hosing you on card quality and, uh, giving you that huge leg up with Laris as well. Okay. Kevin, anything you want to add? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. You know, I don't even see Meat Hook Massacre in a version. Like, I see versions without Meat Hook Massacre, so I think you definitely could do it without it. Um, you'll lose the Bastion of Remembrance. Maybe play one more. Eh, no, I guess you're probably good on creatures. Maybe play some, like, Blood Fountains, play that Luris. Um, and I think that'd be a good spot to be in. I actually did consider doing, like, a um, Mardu version as well, because you could play the Triumphs, which are cheaper than Blood Crypts. But, uh, uh, that's insane. That's surprising, yeah. But you could also play a couple other fun spells. But anyways, that's, I didn't build that today. I only built this black-red. Um, but yeah, that sounds good. Uh, let me tell you about my $50 version real quick. So I did end up cutting those uh, Colgan commands, I believe, from this. Um, and I did cut Luris as well because he was like 7 or $8. So I should probably put him back in there and uh, figure out another way to cut money. Um, but yeah, it still has the, the same creature package, uh, the Harvester, the Epicure. I got rid of the Fatal Pushes and put Blood Chief's Thirst in there. I know that push is so much better, especially with all the sacrificing you're doing, but it's like $11, $12 for a playset. Um, Deadly Dispute is still really pricey, but I figured you really want that to be able to keep drawing and to keep you know creating treasures and stuff like that. Drill Bit's still in there, Synthesizer Turion, Oni Cult, Anvil, Bastion of Remembrance, all that stuff's in there. I changed around a lot of the uh, mana base this time. I have Foreboding Ruins in there from from the, uh, what is that? Um, I want to say it's one of the new uh, Innistrad sets. That's uh, uh, Shadows over Innistrad. Is it, is it from Shadows? Yeah, okay, that's so an old sorry. card. That's from Shadows then. Okay, never mind. Uh, but I have that. I have Temple of Malice from uh, the Theros block sets and Smoldering Marsh again, and then just Mountains and Swamps. That saved me a lot of money uh, playing that. I switched out uh, cards like, um, what was the other one? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I got rid of of uh, Kulagan's Command for, for uh, a Braid here. 
Uh, okay. Just because it's super cheap. It, it deals three damage to a creature or destroys an artifact. I mean, I guess it's probably better to do the uh, Angrath uh, Rampage, I think. I wasn't thinking about that. I didn't consider that one. But other than that, it's all it's all the same in the sideboard. So I need Loris back. That looks good. You know, I, I don't have too much to add. You know, you might need Loris back. If you add Loris back, get rid of the Bastions of Remembrance. That, that's the only thing you would have to lose, and that's about seven. Then how do you so win? That's doable. You just only with only called Anvil? Anvil goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, you can also get, you know, two twos off of the uh, Synthesizer. You can get the one ones off of Anvil. You can get your Blood Tithe Harvesters. Mm-hmm. You've got some options. Like, I know it, it hurts losing Kroxa in this, but mm-hmm. I think it's still doable. Okay. Uh, for this version specifically, there's a new uh, card from Kamigawa that is just Deadly Dispute, except instead of a treasure, you gain life or something. Uh, I think that might be worthwhile mm-hmm. to give you that uh, extra budget room to fit Luris in without compromising your win conditions. So that might be a way mm-hmm. to go. Uh, I do like that this deck can afford to play the really janky budget mana base because it's very uh, er, it's not at all mana intensive. Uh, like yeah. all of your cards have just one color pip on them, and you have Terrarian to help smooth out your uh, color requirements anyway. So this mm-hmm. deck probably does a lot better than some of the other ones uh, in terms of the super well, budget mana base. Okay, I was just thinking of one more thing. If you are going to run not a Luris version, I'm not sure. Would you rather run Mayhem Devil over these Dusty's? Oh, that, I like Mayhem actually. Devil a lot. I was thinking of that. Mm. Just being able to hit creatures seems like a big uh, upgrade yeah. there. Okay. Um, yeah, that, thank you for going a little quicker on these ones. Let's keep going, I think, with uh, Servo's last one, and then I'll go through my last list as well. Alrighty, so uh, for my other one, I'm playing Abzan Greasefang. Uh, this is a deck that I just recently picked up for uh, my own personal play, and I've really been enjoying it, so I figured why not play a budget version of it. Uh, so this deck is looking to... Oh, wow. Uh, take advantage of the uh, quote-unquote combo between uh, Parhelion 2 and Greasefang Alkiba boss, uh, wherein you put Parhelion in the graveyard somehow and then reanimate it with an Okiba, uh, crew it up with the Okiba, and attack in for 13 on turn 3 or 4. Uh, so to facilitate that, we are playing a full suite of Stitcher Supplier of Seder Wayfinder, uh, and Grizzly Salvage, as well as a couple of Rotting Regisar, um, mm. and then for some other graveyard-based payoffs, because we're spending a lot of our early turns trying to mill ourselves, uh, we've got a Gurmag Ankler, as well as a Tester of the Golden Fang, uh, as well as two Can't Stay Away, which is a reanimation spell that can bring back either a Grease Fang or a Rotting Regisar, um, as well as Soren Vengeful Blood. Vengeful Bloodlord, who uh, fills a similar role while also providing the utility of uh, giving all your creatures lifelink. Uh, as a backup plan, this deck also acts as a sort of uh, grindy mid-range deck, and to facilitate that, we're playing Essica's Chariot, which, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get two two twos. Um, so even though Greasefang is bouncing your Essica's Chariot, uh, that is a card that you can pull from the graveyard, just put uh, four power on the board and you know really start going to town even though you don't have access to the combo um the mana base for this one is honestly better than the mana base that i'm playing in my full version uh (laughs) full suite of the four um what are these called the fast lands from kaladesh 
so the Blooming Marsh and the Concealed Courtyard, uh, full suite of the Painlands, the Caves of Corlys, and the Land of War, Land of War Waste. So every land in this deck comes into play untapped, which I think is super key. Um, and then we have a more generic, uh, just grindy mid-range plan out of the sideboard as well. This looks really good to me. You know, I'm really surprised how many of these cards are still budget. You know, with Aquila being so good, with Parhelion being so good, I'm surprised that those prices haven't crept up. And I just get to, I feel like you just get to play the best version of this pretty much. Like, I can't see much here that doesn't, you know, that screams like, okay, this is a budget concession. It, it all seems like really the best version of this list. I'm really excited to see how uh, how doable this one is. Oh, if I can comment on one thing, you know, it hurts me that you have two Baneslayer Angel just because Lyra is, you know, the first Lyra is so much better than mm-hmm. the first Baneslayer <laughs> Angel, especially in a deck that has other sources of angels. Um, but I understand why, you know, th- I think Lyra is like a yeah, lot of versus Baneslayer uh, too. In, so. in my actual version, <laughs> I do play one of each, but yeah. Um, the inclusion of that card in the sideboard as well is just because I spent uh, one full day, like eight full hours just getting completely hosed by uh, Bant Spirits. So I'm like, okay, how do I make sure that I never lose this mm. matchup again? And uh, the Angels have actually been pretty good. So I was going to say Siege Rhino, but I guess it doesn't help against it Spirits. It does not fly, no. Um, but... No. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Spirits... Or, no, the Angels have actually been pretty key in helping uh, that specific matchup. Uh, you probably don't need to play them. You could play a Siege Rhino. I've been uh, waffling back and forth on whether or not I do want to play Siege Rhino. Um, but you could really just play any chunky mid-range threat in the sideboard, I think. Love Siege Rhinos. Um, so any comments here, yeah, Ryan, or do we want to move I, to the FD? I love Tasker in here. I wanted to point that out as well. Um, you know, I've been playing this. I've been testing it out a lot, and uh, I have been putting a lot of stuff into the graveyard. And I actually had, uh, was it the uh, Liliana, the Promised End, as a way to kind of get cards back from the graveyard because she mills and also puts stuff back in your hand but i like tasker a little bit better i think uh because uh, you're gonna be putting a lot of cards that you can't really you know activate with any of the other cards like grease fang only brings back um you know vehicles and you know you can only get lands back from Seder wayfinder and you're gonna have all these other cards that are just sitting in your graveyard and tasker and Gurmag angular as well are, are, are great additions also i love the land base even though it, it is painful with all the pain lands, uh, I like that, you know, Absent actually has access to all of those. Oh, yeah, for sure. But otherwise, um, yeah, otherwise I like them a lot. I like it a lot. So let's take a look at your uh, 50 next, see how you changed it. All right. Uh, so for this one, we did kind of have to stretch a little bit, but most of the uh, cards that you'd be playing after turn two or so are still the same. So, uh, Stitcher Supplier, somehow $10 for a playset, so we're not allowed to play that. Uh, so mm. instead we've got the Seder Wayfinders, Grizzly Salvage, and I went with Grapple with the Past, which is also another card that I'm just trying out in the full version, and it's been surprisingly good. Um, I beat a player with a Leyline of the Void with it, they hard cast their Leyline, and this card was able to grab something that I had put in before the Leyline came down, so even though it mm. missed those mills, uh... I was still, you still have access to your graveyard in that case. So I don't know how prevalent Leyland of the Void is, but I thought it was cool. Uh, still playing the Soren, still playing the Fatal Push, can't stay away. Uh, the main deck is a lot of the same, really. Um, I went up a Gurmag Angler just because we are missing a little bit of that threat density. Um, 
But yeah, most of the concessions in this version are in the land base where we're playing like evolving wilds and fortified village and a lot more basics. Mm-hmm. So uh, this version wants to rely or wants to be the grindy mid range version a lot more frequently than it wants to be the uh, turn three combo version. Well, I'm sad to see that uh, Culling Ritual has been a go, gone up that much in price so that you couldn't run that one in the sideboard. I really like how uh, positioned that card is. That card is extremely like strong right now. Auras. But I do like this Graze of, Gaze of Granite as a uh, as a difference over mm-hmm. that. Um, like you said, yeah, mostly here the lands look different, losing that Stitcher Supplier. I'm wondering if, you know, you didn't run Witherbloom Command in either of these. I know that's a card people have been trying. Uh, not one I've loved, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on it versus something like Grapple with the Past. Um... Yeah, I find that card to be a little unreliable. It's like it it uh it's got the what's that card called? The collective brutality problem where it's just sort of okay at yeah. all the very good things that it does. So like it almost kills a creature. My problem with it was always that I it, it's bad early is one thing I think I don't like about uh, it. I don't know. It it, it, it yeah, might be yeah. worth investigating, but um I tried the card in a couple of other archetypes, and I'm just never impressed with it whenever I play it, so it's not one of those cards I automatically snap to. Makes sense. I mean, you said this... This looks good, and again, this one's you're kind of right on that cusp of being uh, free to play online. Yeah, yeah you and can I definitely just to point out make me... a 12-text version. Yeah, I wanted to point out that you know you said the same thing about the mono green, being able to play with the core and to learn the lines of play with... Um, you know, uh, Vivian, you can do the same thing with here. Grease Fang is budget right now, as well as the enablers, you know, the Shader Wayfinder, the Grizzly Salvage, you can definitely get those. And then the Parhelions are super cheap. If you have that core, that's like $10 tops, right? You have that core, you can build this, I can build it however else you want. So you can throw in whatever else you have, I think, um, and just like kind of, you know, work on it from there. So bravo, bravo. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go to my last one, and, you know, I seem to... I'm a bit of a masochist here. Uh, I think every single time we've done this, I've managed to take on a five-color deck. I did Niv the first Hmm. time, I did Enigmatic Enigmatic the second time. This time I'm going with five-colored human. So this is a recent deck that's been popping up, and is really powered by the fact that we have Unclaimed Territory, as well as now Secluded Courtyard, which are both lands that tap for any color for humans. So, well, you name a creature type, and so for your humans, you'll be able to cast all five different colors if you want to. Um... Here, I did again try to keep the creature base pretty, pretty much the same as what the uh, the non-budget version. But the real concessions are in the lands. There were some really expensive lands. You know, they were running a lot of shock lands, which are all getting really up there in price, as well as the fact that mana confluence is almost impossible on a budget. That one's like fifty bucks or something. If I want to, if I want to say maybe that was for two of them, but that was the biggest place where I made a cut. Um, the other big thing that I ended up cutting, I'd wanted to keep the. $120 version as a collected company deck, but Coco's running like $15, $16 a piece, so that was more than half of my budget if I was going to end up running a playset. Um, I decided I couldn't do that with the lands, so what I did is, um, you know, Heron's Grace Champion is basically Coco, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, this is one that it's been seeing some play like in sideboards, but it, it's not quite Coco, but it is another flash threat. It's a 4-mana 3-3 three, three lifelink with flash, and when it enters, other humans you control get plus 1, plus 1 lifelink until end of turn. Um, I think that card's playable. The other one is, I've been kind of saying people should be playing Helena and Elena anyways, um, so I wanted to put that in, and especially if we're not you know, losing Coco as a hit, I think that that's just a, a very powerful card. 
And we're going kind of all in on, a, you know, Claudio picked it up recently running the Abzan Falconer, and I wanted to go just a little bit deeper, so I'm running two of them here and have a lot of ways to put plus one, plus one counters on things. So any of your Thales Lieutenants, your Luminarch Aspirants, your Experiment Ones are all going to get buffed up and gain flying out of nowhere, so that's a nice way to kill some people. That takes me back to standard, I believe, right? Not in standard? <laughs> yeah, that was the thing we used to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I like it. Yeah, this list looks really sweet. Uh, the main deck, super, super strong, cohesive. Um, the mana base is, as you said, not... not <laughs> gonna not be messy. Greatest. It's, it's, it's gonna be painful. Yeah. It'll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really like going with the pain lands in this archetype specifically. Because uh, hmm. you get... Um, what is it? Battlefield Forge. That covers almost all the cards that you're playing and then you play like two yavi maya coast for your splash colors and your mana base is like a lot cleaner uh i really like the app oh. well i think the tough part there was that I-, I felt like the main colors were like white green so you, you couldn't use the um you know we don't have the allied paint yeah, here yeah. so i end up with blanch like pathways for that but i, I agree that would have been a little better uh, and some people don't like playing with pathways because they value their life a bit more. So I think that uh, more comes down to who you are as a player. Uh, one card that I have really enjoyed when I've tried to make this deck uh, on the cheap is Catilda Dawnheart Prime. She lets all your mm. hum- humans mm-hmm. tap for mana. And I found that to be uh, actually a very good replacement for Collected Company because it um, gives you that mana advantage and lets you cast out more uh Put, put more things on the table in a timely manner and that's one of those as, that's also a mana sink yeah, as well yeah. yeah i agree with that one that is one that i ended up running in the even more budget version which we will see here in a second i actually ran her in my kamigawa build um you know i had uh, five color uh legendary uh humans as one of my builds so not budget but katilda's nice all right, and if you guys really want to feel the pain, I can jump over to my yes. $50 uh, version of it. <laughs> okay, so here, um, let's start with, you know, so the mana base, I managed to pull out quite a bit of money from it. Um, so I went down to one secluded courtyard. I couldn't fit the full four of those in. I managed to find another five-color land for us in Guildmage's Forum. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> not very good, but you can add a mana of any color, and if it's spent on a multicolor creature, you know, you pay one to do it, but it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter, which we do have a lot of multicolored creatures here. Um, thought that might be an option. Um, sideboard, I also touch on, you know, we made some cuts. We turned the elite spellbinders into freebooters. We turned the, um, you know, the brutal cathars into banisher priests. We turned the portable holes into banishing lights. So some real downgrades there. Um, I won't even mention the Scar to Summons. That's just for funsies. Uh, as far as creatures, so yeah, there I did have to do some more experimentation. And a lot of these, I was trying to stick with the same idea, like kind of the same curve. Uh, but some stuff like Adeline was very expensive. I ended up with Torrens instead, who I also think goes very wide and is a powerful card. I couldn't run the full set of Thalias, so I was looking for some more early drops. That's where I was ending up finding Catilda as a nice one. Um, I also just threw in some Hamlet Vanguards as another powerful uh, top end. Uh, hopeful initiates another small one that has some some added power especially with all of the plus one plus one counter synergy we're getting here um and you know there, there's some kind of wolf funnels in here like i've got a uh Vara silvery moon uh i think i cut the last of the kudros just because the black was probably our hardest color to make here um and, and that was kind of the idea here is you know keeping the the core together 
uh, cutting some of the harder to cast spells and taking a lot of money out of the mana base here. But th- this one was definitely tough to put together. Yeah, I think I would uh, kind of, ec- I guess, echo what uh, Servo said about uh, the pain lands in the sideboard. I think maybe that would help out a little bit better uh, in the mana base if you could switch that up, like the battlefield. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what I would cut here even at this point uh, to, to fit those in, you know. Yeah, it's pricey. All right. Uh, so for this deck, um, uh, this isn't like bashing you. This is just a uh, message to anyone who is trying to build a deck on a budget. Um, sometimes the archetype that you want to play cannot be built on a budget. So you need to find a different archetype. Uh, I would not mm. play five five color humans for fifty dollars. <laughs> uh, that said, I, I agree yeah, there. Yeah. I, I've definitely done that. I've definitely done that before. Um, here, you know, it was a tough decision because there is a green white humans deck that makes sense. But I think some of the most expensive cards in the deck are the mono white ones. You know, the it, it's not like I'd be able to play more Adelines, play more Luminarch aspirants. Um, play more Thalias, and those are really the ones that are expensive, and those are what's really powerful in the green-white version. So, um, yeah, m- maybe find another list, but this is my my best attempt at a $50 mm-hmm. version of uh, of humans. Yeah, for Good sure. Effort. Good effort. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with experimenting and seeing what works or not, um, but in the, in the realm of being, you know, like, someone who might be actually searching for a humans deck on a budget, I would definitely recommend... Uh, playing either mono white or green white there's a lot of options uh and you're not like forcing yourself into a hole where um you need to play with like temples uh to make your mana work on because you can't afford the uh uh mana confluence or whatever like planes are free so just play the deck that plays planes um Hmm. and you know that's not to like dash hopes or anything either like uh Sometimes it just doesn't work out with uh, the deck that you absolutely want. Um, but there is almost always an avenue for or to be able to chase the deck that you do want to eventually build into. So, like, for example, if you are, like, dead set on... Uh, uh, what's a good deck? Playing um, Abzan Midrange in Pioneer one day. Uh, you may not be able to afford... Uh, a, a, like a decent abs and midrange deck on a budget right now but maybe you can afford uh a green black version that doesn't play as many dual lands and doesn't play as many of the color intensive threats um so mm-hmm. it's definitely worthwhile to consider where you are now in, in relation to where you want to be uh with your deck in the future so mm-hmm. um every deck has like a way that you can build uh into it but that's not always going to look the same. So uh, if you're ever at a point uh, in your deck building where um, you feel like you want to build into something and it's just not working out uh, doing the one-for-one copy, uh, find, like, reach out to other people, more experienced players, and Mm. there will definitely be people who will uh, be able to point you in the right direction, uh, like where you can go to best... Uh, get the best play experience with the deck that you can afford right now, as well as give you paths to get into the deck that you want to play in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us, Servo. Like we always appreciate your insights on budget, both for the decks we made, for what you've added in general about the format, and uh, you know just your great resource to the 
to the Pioneer community. So thank you again for joining us on this show. Um, guys, make sure to follow us at MTG Pioneer. That's the best way to stay up to date with all kinds of Pioneer content coming out. We retweet all kinds of things, so uh, keep up to date by going on Twitter and following us there. You can also find a link to our Discord. Um, and before we end real quick, I did want to ask you guys, what was your favorite $50 deck and what was your favorite $150 to $120 deck? What's your choice? What's your pick? My pick... For 120, I think would be the uh, uh, control deck. Oh, I'm gonna go with the Abzan DMV one. Yeah, what about uh, you, Servo? Yeah, I absolutely love the Grease Fang deck. So any chance to uh, say the word Grease Fang is uh, where I'm gonna be right now. <laughs> okay, and then how about your All favorite right. 50? Oh, the 50 is definitely the mono green deck, just because I think that that's the best example of what I was saying earlier, where you get to, uh, you know, practice those lines and have the full deck experience while still maintaining that really strict budget. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That I'd probably agree there. Okay, great. All right. Do you want? Do you have a quick uh, socials mm-hmm. here, Ryan? Yeah. You guys can find me on uh, Twitter at Yoshwinky. Um, yes. Or sorry, not Yoshwinky. It's uh, Yojaban Obvious. I changed my name. Sorry. But uh, yeah, yes. come on there. And then Servo, how about you? Any socials? Any uh, shoutouts? Uh, you can find me on Reddit and Discord as Servo Token, and you can find me writing articles on PlayingPioneer.com. Great. Perfect. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you one last time for joining us. Servo Token, we are the first Pioneers podcast. We look forward to being your go-to source for Pioneer information online. Your first Pioneers are budgeting out.